0: Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message.
1: So, in the past few weeks, um, you guys—I was here last week, but in the previous weeks too—we've been talking about Abram probably for about a couple of months at this point. Um, so, Abram has been called. He was a worshiper of many gods. He's been called out from that. God has called him to a promised land, a life um, that he's promising many multitudes of generations after him that are, will be chosen people. Um, but through that chosenness, he didn't have any kids and he was getting old and he getting nervous as probably anyone, any of us would. Um, where's the child? God's promising me this. How is he going to have generations after me if there's no one generation past us? Um, so, last week, we talked about um, Abraham Abram at this point, and Sarai talking about or and how they went and had um, a child kind of their own of accord so Sarai took her servant and said, abram here have a have a um, child with her um, so this girl, Hagar, who is an egyptian slave they had they had, um, had a baby named Ishmael, um, so it's kind of we talked about a little last week about how God has a plan, but then sometimes we kind of input our own uh, accord, our own desires, our own plans, thinking God, this is our, this is the plan that God has for us by making it our own plan. But rather than resting in God's plan and trusting in Him, um, so Hagar had the baby Ishmael. Um, Ishma uh, Hagar was basically tortured by Sarai, was verbally persecuted, whatever it might be, whatever word you want to call it. And she fled, but God was merciful and and chased after and pursued her. And and that was really neat to see how God pursues us and and goes after us and is is a seeing God, it says in the end of chapter 16. Um, So all this happened when Abram was 86. So he's definitely past childbearing. Sarai, I believe, is 10 years older. So she was 76. Or 10 years younger, sorry. So she was 76. So they're pretty old, um, even in this time. Of the world. Um, so he, Abram was 86 in chapter 16, verse 16, the last verse. Um, and then chapter 17 we come to. So let's read chapter seventeen, one through 3a. So it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. So verse one it shows that he Abram was ninety nine years old. So if you do the math and subtract ninety nine from eighty six or eighty six from ninety nine, that it's thirteen years. And we don't really know what happened between them, um, but there's nothing in the Bible that says it. And God really it seems like it from the scripture was silent in Abram's life, um, and. That I can't imagine thirteen years of God being silent. Um, have you guys ever felt the Lord was like silent in your life? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> how, did anyone for more than thirteen years? Not for thirteen years. Thirteen yeah. years now. I haven't been saved well, thirteen five years. Minutes, yet, so. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> how how did it feel like when you you felt God being silent, whether He was or not? Like how did it feel? Unpleasant. Unpleasant. I felt alone. Alone. Mm-hmm think dry mm-hmm. and you really it's like you're longing for more during that time you feel empty right mm-hmm. and and i would suggest probably every single one of us has gone through that dry period um in various ways or various lengths um what were some of the things that like in those dry periods that you learned or things that were a result or things that you did or that things that happened that caused this dry season, if any, from your experience? What do you guys think?
2: Uh, Greater appreciation when uh, he spoke again,
1: Okay. if you will. Yeah, so greater appreciation of God's voice and God's presence that felt in your life, yeah.
3: In my personal, it was generally something that I did Mm -hmm. (laughs) that not caused him to be silent, but things that I wasn't submitting or... We're just not being totally honest, mm-hmm. and you know when you repent and you know, kind of lifts that uh, in my own experiences. I mean, yeah. um, yeah, I don't think <clears throat> those dry period. I haven't had many, and not long, but those occurrences when I did have them, it was generally something on my part and not his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so.
1: And, and I mean, if you look at the definition of sin, it separates us from mm-hmm. God. So, a lot of times, dry seasons can come from sin or unrepentant sin, but it also sometimes can be just God putting mm-hmm. you a tra- through a trial, because right. that's when you learn through it. Um, mm-hmm. So, there's no one way, I'm not saying there's one way that's w- why dry seasons occur, but they do. And mm-hmm. But either way, I think those dry seasons, you learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, I think, is <laughs> can be a truth. Um, but in in my life definitely like you sometimes there is unrepentant sin or just stubbornness or whatever it might be and when i asked god for forgiveness i felt i was out of that dry season mm-hmm. cuz god came and um just taught me from uh, my mistakes or from my failures um, but james 1 it talks about how how trials can bless us can can encourage us can grow us and they do grow us and, mm-hmm. I mean, when people have been walking with the Lord for fifty years, and you ask them when did God grow you the most, it's oftentimes through a hard time or from a a dry season. And and I would imagine these thirteen years were a, probably a dry season for Abram. Um, he has his covenant, he has his promise of of generation, and the time is ticking. He's he's not even probably not even worried about the uh, um, the childbearing. But what about death? Like he's getting even to that age. Um, even though he has quite a few years. Uh, at this time in the world, but um, but it's a, a time of doubt and fear that I'm sure he was wrestling with. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but I would imagine so. Um, and 13 years is a long time, um, but we come here, so it's 13 years later, he might have been thinking, "God, did God forget me? Did God forget about this huge promise? What did I leave for?" Um, I but, wonder
2: if he thought God gave up on him. Yeah, you know, because he disobeyed or he went mm-hmm. his own direction. So,
1: well, the last words you have
4: were. Well, I guess he said he had a he had a he had a promise, though. One was Israel is not going to be the promise, mm-hmm. and the other one was. What did he else? say? didn't he, didn't he say something back to Abram?
2: In what chapter 16?
4: Oh, uh, maybe yeah. Oh. No, I'm sorry.
2: What are you thinking, Abram? Well, I thought said? I thought God
4: said something like, "Abram's not the one." You're gonna, well, I guess that's coming up. Seventeenth coming. coming, right? It's coming. So he didn't hear that. He didn't. Right. No. He hadn't heard that yet. Correct. Right. He d- he will hear it now, but right.
1: not in the thirteen-year period. Uh, what what he did hear is the
4: words probably <clears throat> uh, Hagar repeated back to him. Correct. From when she was confronted.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, probably from another person, but not directly from God. But right. he will hear that. Um, yeah. So there's these thirteen years that he went through, and then it says the Lord appeared to Abram. So mm. that the Lord obviously did not. Forget about Abram, he doesn't forget about anyone, he keeps pursuing us, and when he promises something, he's faithful to, to fulfill it, um, even though it might not be in our timing, because Abram probably was hoping that this would be done by age 40 or 50, he'd have a kid, raising him up, but he had to wait, um, in the Lord's perfect timing. So it says, he appeared to Abram and, it, and said to him, I am God Almighty, and this word is El Shaddai, um, which means, like, all-powerful. Um, but and it's almost like unclear definition to be Almighty, but almost like I'm a God of fullness. Everything in me is, um, everything good is in is within me. I'm all powerful. All, um, yeah, all powerful. Um, and, and that's so comforting when you see here a God who you're doubting. Really, I mean, I, I would imagine that's probably one of his greatest thoughts was doubt that, that God's not going to fulfill this promise but he said I am God almighty I can do all things and that's such a comforting word for us in, your, in the dry seasons that you had and the struggles and the temptations you guys had the words I am God almighty coming directly to you how how comforting that would be and how comforting that is when God calls, says that to us um,
3: yeah. and an advantage we have we have the word That exactly. Abraham didn't I mean he had the word when God appeared to him, but mm-hmm. he didn't have something he could just let me take out my. Oh, it's not there yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So and,
1: and and yeah, during those dry seasons, we can continue to push through. it. Yeah, we can. We ha- we have this.
3: Yeah. In, even in our dry season, we can still go to this, and he'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and we are so blessed.
4: Can I
0: I just, I want to um, understand the distinction. Are you saying that, like, in the way you're talking about it, you're saying a dry season is the same as a trial? Because to me, there's a distinction between those
1: two. Mm -hmm. What do you think the distinction is?
0: Um, To me, like, the way I think that you're talking about a dry season is where you don't feel connected Mm -hmm. to God, even if you're not necessarily doing all the right things. Because, I mean, even if I'm not on track and I'm feeling mm-hmm. frustrated and doubtful, I'm still in conversation with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, you may be saying, like, you need to chill, you need to wave, whatever. You know, sometimes he just says, wait. And I don't like it, mm-hmm. but I'm still, that channel's still open. So to me, a dry season would be, like, not even hearing anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a trial. Being in a trial doesn't necessarily mean that communication is cut mm-hmm. off for me, although it could So I'm just like I just want to understand. Like, are you saying they're the same, or Mm -hmm. are you making a distinction? Yeah, I would say in my head there's a distinction. Yeah,
1: I would say there's a distinction, but there's often times where they happen. They can overlap. Correct. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but I do agree with you. Dry season, when I refer to that, is like time when. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking,
0: I don't think I've really had that yet. Mm -hmm. Not that I could, but I think it's only because I'm fearful of not Mm because I was so old by the time I got around Mm -hmm. to having a relationship with the Lord. That I don't want to turn that mm-hmm. connection off, Yeah. That, or I don't want to do anything that would stop because that is us that moves away from it. It's mm-hmm. not the Lord, so mm-hmm. that's. So I just wanted to kind of understand. Yeah, yeah,
1: I would agree with you. There is a distinction because okay. we can be in a trial and we can be plugged in and abiding in Christ. And, yeah, going
0: help. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and it
1: doesn't make sense to have peace. And be in agreement. Like he doesn't. Random.
0: He does not sound like he was in agreement with his will. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going through a trial. I'm not loving it. I don't have to love it, but I do have to be obedient. Yeah. But he's not being
1: obedient. Yeah, he's like, I'm doing my own thing. God, you have a plan, but I have this great plan on this side. It's all nice, but I'm going
0: to do my own thing. Correct,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he comes in, I'm God Almighty. And what an encouraging word that is. And then he says, walk before me and be blameless. Mm -hmm. Um, So walk before me. What do you think God's saying when he says walk before me? What do you guys think that means? See you. Mm hmm
2: Trust
1: me. Trust me. And and I when I read that, I was almost thinking of like the Garden of Eden, where like Adam Mm -hmm. walked with God. Like be just being in God's presence. But then it adds, be blameless. So when we're in God's presence, when we're we're walking before Him, really right in front of God, saying, Here I am. And be blameless. Mm-hmm. It kind of throws a whole nother mm. meaning and a th- whole nother loop in this command, this, um words that God gives to us. So what does it mean to be blameless then?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, when you give your account, to, you know, if he asks you to be accountable for something, are you going to be able to be blameless
1: for sin? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be blameless for sin? <sighs> Repentant, because mm-hmm.
0: um, none of us are sin free, right? So, mm-hmm. but um, there's uh, several areas in Scripture that talk about you know that accountability that we have with Him. So, it sort of sounds to me like. I don't know. It sounds really sweet, like although it could look like kind of bossy, I guess, like if you look at the words, but to me it sounds really not like it's sweet. It it did remind me too, the same thing of like walking with God in the garden like just like come on, you know, hang out with me and and like cuz if you're walking with him there's a good chance you will be blameless. Walking with him following his mm-hmm
1: instructions. Yeah, you know, you probably know. not naturally. I mean, right. I'm sure, like Abrams, looking back at his past and and really the word blameless means like it literally means whole. It means without yeah. a, accusation, without a pr- reproach, without any any accusations from the outside, if yeah. you will. Um, ha, are can we be blameless? What's the difference between being blameless before men and blameless before God? Well, Satan is the accuser.
0: So mm-hmm. if you have, you'll always have somebody pointing a finger at you. Mm-hmm. If you um, so men are filled with sin. We're mm-hmm. going to judge each other in a way that is different from the mm-hmm. way
1: that the Lord would judge us. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, if, so for example, for blameless before men, you can live a life that looks great on the outside mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but then in your own room in your own house in your own personal time you might not be blameless but to the outside you're like that, that's a great guy that's a great woman so it, it, it almost yes it's pot it's hard to do still because i still mm-hmm. sin in front of men too i still mess up i still have these bad thoughts but but when we're blameless before God in His presence, when we're walking before God, that's a whole nother command, a whole mm-hmm. nother ballgame, because God sees our every move, our every thought, our every intention, our every motive. Mm-hmm. And Abram is being called to this, um, which I think we all in agreement, and I heard a couple grunts when she, <laughs> she said, "No one's perfect." Mm-hmm. So how do we approach this with God? When God call, commands this, be blameless. But be- walk before me that I might make my covenant between me. So I guess the question would be, what is the correlation of our blamelessness from before God and him choosing us and him using us? Is there any correlation?
4: Well, can I step back one step and yeah. say so when you said walk before me, I was thinking of John three, the latter part. And not not the not the God Soul of the World part, but the latter part of that section says <clears throat> the whole difference between walking before and not walking before. Mm-hmm. says, verse 20, 320, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would interpret that by God's power. So walking blameless is all through, through his power, not our own power. Mm-hmm and through his righteousness not our righteousness. Yeah. But, so the walking before means you're basically saying, okay, you know, I'm turning away from wickedness, and I'm going to walk, you know, as best you can as, Mm -hmm. you know, in the flesh, in your flesh, I should say, you know, before God, blameless in that sense, and realizing again that it's not even really Mm -hmm. you doing it, it's God doing it through you.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think there's a level of, being exposed and allowing yourself to be exposed mm-hmm. and no excuses no arguing um so again not perfect not without sin but completely open for god to reveal sin and then deal with it when he does yeah when you said earlier about blameless before men i almost got the impression you were talking about like a hypocrisy mm-hmm. or whatever um I was a little uncomfortable with that, because I feel like I can be blameless before men, and without hypocrisy, still know I fall fall short of God's. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not living two lives. That's not. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what you're talking about. No.
4: Is I don't know.
1: Well, I
4: think he's saying, but if you're really honest, to walk blameless before God is a higher stuff than yeah, walking. Totally. Yeah. Yeah what, yeah. what I'm
1: saying that what God calls us to is not it is the highest calling of holiness. He's not calling us to live like the, the best we can to make others look at us. That shouldn't be our motive. But what I'm saying is that we should live a life that is seeking to be blameless according to God's standard, according to a standard of that we can't reach. And and I think what Mark said is a good point is that What God calls us to do is not to earn ourselves or to work our way to holiness, but it's just come to the light, and God welcomes us. And that's why He says, "Walk before Me and be blameless." Like, come to Me in your sin, and so that I can cleanse you. And um, and and I think it's so crucial to know that we can do that and we should do that. And there's nothing that can, no sin that should hold us back from God if we repent of it. And, and I think if you look at Abram's response to this, he didn't say, yeah, like, I'm going to walk before you. No, he fell on his face. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's the heart of repentance that um, Abram showed, that he realized he wasn't blameless. He realized he was sinful. He realized um, he had sinned. But he, he also realized God's loving kindness and his patience and his mercifulness and his pursuit of him as he came back to him. Um, even despite his sin. Mm. Um, yeah, so does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of cleared up, sorry I if I made mm-hmm. confusing. It. Um, so so uh, yeah, so blamelessness when, when we're when we're blameless before God, it's not we're perfect. It's we've been washed by Christ, that we can be seen as blameless, so that God can see Christ in us and through us. Um that's the only way we become blameless. Um, but there is also a sense that we are called to be holy, called to be um, seeking this holiness. By When we come into the light in John 3.20, where it says, it, 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 and throughout the New Testament, it talks about how God will sanctify us. In First 1 John 1, 1.9 it says, Confess your sins and He is faithful to just to forgive you and to purify. So it's that forgiveness to see us as blameless, but then also to purify. Um, and obviously he wouldn't use any human being if he only used those who were perfect or those who were good people. Cause if you look at history and even in the Bible, this is a bunch of messed up people <laughs> as we are. <laughs> um, but God is faithful to do that. Um. But 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 we should we shouldn't forget to pursue that holiness and um in, in my Bible study at work um, we've been going through Ephesians and the first three chapters talk about all about like who we are in Christ and we've been adopted we all of these awesome things and then we got to Ephesians four through six and it's like. All right. This is what a Christian life is. This is what it's doing. And oh man, we do like a couple verses each week. So every week of uh, three or four of us, we're just so convicted. Like man, God, like help us. Um, but but I think as we as as I've been going through with a couple of people at work, it's so like encouraging to know that even though I fall short of everything, God still um, invites us in. But he also grows us throughout our spiritual life, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. Um, and In the Bible, there's many people that grow from their failures. I mean, look at David. He grew from his his, uh, very um, impactful sin that he did that affected an entire nation, an entire generation. So I I think that we can be confident in God's love and God's calling for us, even in our sin, to come to Him. And He's also um, calling us to be more holy and to be more like Him. Through Christ alone, not through our works, because in the same way we are saved by faith, we're growing by faith, as well. So it's the already not yet. You're already blameless, but you're not yet blameless. Correct, and, and it's <laughs> he's, he's, he's. I've never heard it put that way. Yeah, there's, a good lot, there's a lot of
4: already not yet's in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and in heaven, it it it'll it'll be complete, and I'm looking forward to that day. It's going to be a beautiful day. Um... Okay, so, so verse 2, it says that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And this supports what we were just saying, that we can't earn anything, we can't do it, because it says that God may make the covenant. It doesn't say that me and you can make a deal, or me and you that we can like, okay, you do this and I'll do this. It's God making the covenant, we don't have really any action aspect of it. Um, To make the covenant valid. The covenant is valid because God says it's valid. And God saves us because he says he'll save us. And he's faithful to do it. Can I ask another
0: question? Another distinction question. So, we were just talking about um, how, you know, we all... all, And I'm saying all generally because maybe not everybody. But um, oftentimes we get these opportunities to grow. God gives us opportunities Mm -hmm. to grow. But as you were saying that, I'm thinking, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every person takes that opportunity and uses it for Mm -hmm. sanctification. So you don't mean to say that just because we're getting this opportunity that everybody is on board with
1: it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, even in the New Testament, Paul says that some are still spiritual children, like sipping on the milk. So it's like some people don't grow as much and they're not any less saved, um, but God calls us to grow, and in John, it talks about if you love me, you will obey my command. And it's like that piece in Timothy that you're saying, like, you can start to get
0: to a point where, you're like, okay, you're almost grateful for this because you know that it's in this trial, it creates mm-hmm. the perseverance and the sanctification, and all that.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah, shameless plug, which is why the oxado steers start. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thank you. I have no shame, it starts <laughs> this morning. <laughs> I <have no>
1: shame. <laughs> <laughs> Alright so let's go on to the second part of verse 3 It says And God said to him Behold my covenant is with you And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations No longer shall your name be called Abram But your name shall be Abraham For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations I will make you exceedingly (coughs) fruitful And I will make you into nations And kings shall come from you And I will establish my covenant between me And you and your offspring After you throughout their generations For an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And and so God, God came and appeared to Abram in, in this awesome moment, this fearful moment for Abraham as he fell on his face and I would imagine worshipped him. Mm-hmm. But once again, God reminds him of a promise. And... and I I think in the last few chapters he's done it multiple times where he's reminding and and I think in our lives we so often forget God's promises and and we have to be reminded but we also have to remind ourselves of God's promise through his word, through teaching, through other people that that God promises us so much through salvation, through being with us at all times and forgiving and pursuing and all these things that he promises us. It's important that we repeat it. And God repeated it for Abraham. And he will do it for us as well. So it's important to remember God's word and, and repeat it as well. Because mm-hmm. um, we we um, lack memory sometimes. We yeah, we forget or we get busy or things come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but seriously, it's serious. <laughs> so, we do. Yeah, we sin a lot too. Yeah. Um, so, and then he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And Abram uh, means exalted father, Um, and at that, and probably about fifteen years before, he wasn't even a father. He's like, I I, I would imagine he's like, why am I called Abram? I don't, I'm not even a father. Um, But he, he like steps up to another like level. God, God gives him the name from exalted father to a father of a multitude of nations. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of irony. It's it's kind of humorous as well because it's like. To us. <laughs> yeah, to us. <laughs> to him, <it's, laughs> to him probably not so much. He's like, come on, God, that's not funny. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, it's very much ironic, but it's also a showing of God's promise. Um, you, yeah, because na- now his
4: name contained the promise. Correct. In yeah. itself. Yeah. So every time somebody calls him Abraham, he's going to immediately hear yeah. multitude, multitude, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just have a question. I don't know.
2: Do you think if... if if it wouldn't, have, if he wouldn't have uh, had
4: a relation with Hagar and had Ishmael, his name would have changed. So mm. God still promised that he'd have a multitude of nations. We'll never know.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Get <laughs> that question and ask him when
1: you see him. Oh, that's a good question. Hey, Abram won't know either. Write it down. God <laughs> <know>. <laughs> right Write it down. you know, oh, have to carve it Tattoo it on your arm. He won't yeah, have yeah. the flesh <laughs> in heaven. Don't feel that's true. Write it on my...
4: Right it mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. i kind of redo
1: that. Um, yeah, so we don't know. Mm. Wish I could just wondered. You. It'll yeah. be on the internet now. So maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to ask Google. <laughs> yeah, Probably not a good source for that. But you never know. know. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he goes on to his promise, establishing his covenant between me and you and your offspring into an everlasting covenant. <coughs> yeah. um, and that's encouraging because it's not a... Uh, conditional based covenant. This is a covenant that is everlasting. It can't be broken. It can't be severed. It can't be ended after a certain generation. Mm-hmm. It's everlasting. Well, with conditions later on. There'll be conditions later on, and whether
4: they're inhabiting the land in a good way or in a bad way. But it, what
2: would be the conditions later on?
4: Well, the the curses and the blessings that were proclaimed from yeah. the two mountains. But that doesn't
1: stop his covenant.
4: Correct. Because his covenant was a multitude. So of nations. that takes care of the Middle East peace process. We can just move on now. He gave him the land as an everlasting possession through an everlasting yeah. covenant. You know? Sure. So. Can't you know? to me? Yeah. <laughs> you can bring that <laughs> I'll to the call president. <laughs> um,
1: You can be the new negotiator. Right to your, right to your president.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now, what if the Jews reject God's Messiah? Can they. Can they get out of this covenant and it pass on maybe to the church? Well,
1: did everyone reject the Messiah? No. <laughs> so. But, you know, the, like, what about this
2: idea of the church being kind of spiritual Israel and these things pass on to them? Mm-hmm. Well... What do you say about that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Throughout Genesis... it <with> <laughs> the Bible, man. <laughs> Well, throughout Genesis, it talks about like that God would bless the Jewish people and throughout the Old Testament. and So if we replace the Jewish people with the church, if we replace them, we're grafted in, it says in the New Testament. So we're a part of this covenant too. But if we replace the Jewish people, we're really saying God is a liar, if you will. Like He, he promised it. So, so you're God, saying
2: everlasting means <clears throat> everlasting? Yeah. You literalist. literalist you are such a literalist
3: <laughs> crazy man but yeah I absolutely okay. agree you're, you're, the whole replacement theology thing uh, you're calling God a liar yeah and, and, and if, if one wants to do that, that's cool. Yeah. I'll just that's I'll cool. step a few yeah. steps away from you as you do
1: And honestly for us though it's <laughs> I would say it's almost yeah. easier to believe it because Israel has come back into yeah, Israel. Yeah. like if, if yeah. you think 150, 200 years ago there was no sign of a yeah. Jewish nation. Honestly, I, I would, th- and that's when a lot of the replacement theology came mm-hmm. from, with like Luther and that time period, because there was no Jewish yeah. nation, so they're like, it's got to be the church. Yeah. But but now that we see God's fulfillment of Israel coming back to the land, it makes it easier to believe. But there were still people who believed it yeah. back then, so I'm not saying it did. But that's where that yeah. theology came from. So, and well, honestly, I, don't think I can't. The things that they, say they were
4: saying, saying they they might have been saying yeah. there was there wasn't gonna be another nation of Israel, but they didn't say. I don't think they would have said that God has done with Jewish
1: people as an ethnic group. That's I think so. Some yeah. replacement theology, like some sects of it do. And
2: Hitler used Luther's writings mm-hmm. to justify some of the things he did. That God had damned the Jews because they had rejected the, the Messiah.
4: Well, you could say, in, a, in essence, it, it did work out that way, though. Oh, Jerusalem, but, Jerusalem... How I wished you, you know, and what happened? All right. the stones would be torn. So there was a curse that came from the... Yeah, the I, but I, I think
2: the difference is Jesus was like heartbroken. Luther was like, get him. Sure. Um, There's it, a different spirit well, to the right, whole if thing. If you say
4: that they're the Christ killers and that kind of yeah, thing, that, right. that picked up. I agree. But I think that if... But I, but I think the... if you, So whether Luther is the... Probably Calvin is probably a better person to look at for that Reformed thinking... It's covenant theology, not, so God didn't change his covenant. There's still going to be a chosen, saved people, mm-hmm. and that's going to be composed of Jews and Gentiles, mm-hmm. and at that point in time, it was mostly Gentiles, right, post uh, mm-hmm. 200, AD 200 or whatever. Yeah, so. What was AD 200? I, I'm just thinking that's probably when Jews completely, uh, I 70, see. they I gotcha. lost the temple, and then psh, they were gotcha. scattered. Okay. Right. So, I don't think that. So, they look at it as a total covenant thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God I've doesn't change lot his lot mind. He chooses people and he saves them, mm-hmm. whether it's Old Testament saints or New Testament saints. Yeah. So, it's all, it's all by grace.
3: But I think there are groups of people sure. who are believers, but they are, are firm in their that the church has replaced Israel. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, that's so. stupid. They don't read that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, okay. I, read it it. about I God agree with that. <laughs> a wild, you know? I mean, they still. In order to
1: believe, they still have to believe in Jesus. Like, that doesn't change. Sure. So, yeah, so, I, th- I think w- all we need to do is focus on Jesus. But but we do have to remember that Jesus fulfills his covenant. So. Yeah, who brought this up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what stands
2: out to me, if I may? Uh, maybe, and inter- stop me if um, mm-hmm. you're going to go there. But... We know that God is referred to by different names oftentimes, and he kind of is what he needs to be in that instance. And mm-hmm. So here he's referred to God Almighty, uh, or El Shaddai, I think you said. Um, and then it goes on, in I think in 4 to about 7 or 8, and he starts telling Abraham, I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. He must say like 7 or 8 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if Abraham was giving up hope that it's not happening god's not able or whatever it may be um, or he's not meaning he meaning abraham is not able and god can you know do his thing as well and so he establishes just so clearly how powerful he is because i'm going to do this and
1: i'm going to do this and i'm going to do this and do this
2: that's what i wonder
1: I'm sure, and and a lot of times God meets us where we are, and where He was was probably doubt, as I would probably be too at ninety nine years old when He's promising this yeah. generations. Um, yeah. So yeah, and He's He established it so clearly. I think mean, He says, "I will." I think it's like twenty times or something in the next like chapter or two. Like he yeah. he says he keeps saying, "I'll do this," "I'll do this," but he started it with, "I am Almighty," saying, "I can do this," because yeah. no one is greater than no one has more power. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, and so verse eight, he ends with uh, the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and that's where we, the the land of current day Israel is is promised for everlasting, and that's where one day Jesus will reign. From his throne will be in Jerusalem, as mm-hmm. the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be an exciting time. All right, so let's go through verse nine and. Speaking start. of exciting. Oh. Yeah. Hey, hey,
4: Baron, did you look this up? So he said I'm God Almighty. What was the rest of the time when it says and God said? Is, are those all Yahweh? I can look. Or and Yahweh said or did you look more? I didn't look. Oh. I figured Baron um, or he's, he's on top of his name.
3: It's all Elohim, I think. R- gimme a verse three. Yeah, I think it's all Elohim.
4: Okay. So it would be L-O-R-D so not using if it was Yahweh then.
3: Yeah, it's all Elohim. Yeah, it'll say L-O-R-D if it's Yahweh. Yeah, it's all...
4: Okay.
3: okay. Yep, it's all Elohim.
4: I would have thought it was the, would have been the more powerful right. name of Yahweh. But... Mm-hmm. Well, then again, he's stepping out of that, saying he's... Hey, he's I'm he's, above all this. I'm more powerful he's than even all. Po- yeah, he's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Alright, so let's go through verse 9 through 14. It says, And God said to Abraham, With your money from any foreigner. Who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house. And he who is bought with your money. Shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh. An everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male. Who is not circumcised in the flesh. Of his foreskin. Shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So so the first eight verses. He talks about this covenant of. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. There's nothing really that is. Hinging on Abraham's obedience necessarily. Um, and it then goes God commanding Abraham to do this. But this covenant um, does not make or break, or this um, command to be circumcised does not make or break the covenant. The covenant is set in stone, but it's a symbolism of the covenant. Um, in, in a similar way, we see baptism. Uh, we see it as. I like baptism better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little more comfortable, but yeah. Um, but but baptism really is like an inward, an outside symbolism of an inward work. Well, on, on this one, though, I would prefer it be babies. Yeah. Yes,
3: yeah. Well, I, I, want, right, right. I don't want to be Abraham. i or... I didn't have to wait right. till, like,
1: 99 and 13. What well, anybody you buy.
4: Anybody any servant you buy who comes in? Yeah, yeah she's got it. yeah. Yep. It's the first thing. It's first thing.
1: It's not easy to do. <laughs> All right, welcome. Oh, you. You're in is this? It wasn't it Kenya, right? Kenya was like thirteen <laughs> year old. Uh, yeah.
4: I don't know. I like
1: day eight. That's better. The, day eight. And uh, <laughs> okay. was day eight random? Nah, there's
3: no. There's a ver- there's a science behind yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Jeez, it's the bigger.
1: It's the day with the most. I think like the immune system is is at its strongest. Um, I think it's some vitamin, something in the body. I don't know exactly. But I know a, it's like the most vitamin essential. K peaks <Fx2> K. and prothombin. Oh, so you can have blood. Yeah, blood clotting. So it's not as bad.
3: Prothombin.
4: Yeah, blood clotting.
3: peaks on that day, so
1: it's like the ideal time to do it. I may
0: faint.
1: God is gracious then by yes. telling him to do it on the most um, safe day to have it, if there's any safe right. day to do that.
2: I actually heard that it um, it's pretty low Yep. Um, the days before. On the eighth day, it rises up to 110% of its normal level in your life, and then it drops back down to yeah, it's where like it's supposed It's like the to be. best day to have yeah. it in That's your remarkable. entire life.
4: Um, awesome. So, God didn't have to experiment to figure that out? No, he <laughs> created the body, so he created
1: it for 110% of the These people didn't night. have science, so they yeah. wouldn't have known that there
4: were some yeah. internal workings. Yeah, that... yeah.
1: And, and it's incredible how much yeah. science there is in the Old Testament, just before we discovered it 2,000 years later. Mm-hmm.
4: You know? mm-hmm. Why do you think he so started
1: that in the first place? I mean, everything, all guys got to get circumcised. So, I well, I think it's a symbolism, and if sim- symbolism. My kind of interpretation using Colossians two eleven through twelve, like kind of the cutting off of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of blood. cutting this off, blood in a yeah, and bringing it to God. Um, if you could to turn to Deuteronomy thirty.
0: The covenant
1: that yeah. God has established blood. yeah so so obviously the the covenant that of circumcision is a physical symbolism on the outside but I think it, it shows a, a spiritual symbolism that is very um, powerful as well mm-hmm. um, so Deuteronomy 30 it talks about repentance forgiveness uh, I think Mark was referring to it before like a blessing and a curse here's before you um, so then it says, it, it, as we repent and as we believe in him, Deuteronomy thirty six, it's 30, verse 6, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And so, so this, this concept of cutting like extra flesh off, like cutting the flesh off of our lives, the sin that we need to be washed now we know about Jesus or through faith in God, I think it shows a powerful symbolism of this salvation that we have. Um, do I know exactly why? Maybe not, but I think the symbolism. Yeah, I know it's a painful thing. But but the thing is that circumcision wasn't new to them at the time. Like other cultures did it, so it's it wasn't completely foreign. Like why would anyone do that? Like so, I think it was a, um, really more of a symbolism to show this this. Um, Kind of giving yourself over to God saying, hey, I'm going to be marked, I'm a child of God, I'm, a, I'm in the chosen people group. And in the same way, baptism, it's really a symbolism of, hey, I'm acknowledging that I am saved by Christ, that I am a part of God's family now. Um, I am acknowledging my sin and also Christ's forgiveness in my life. Um, so I think it, it's really a symbolism of saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, God. Do you guys agree? Any comments on that? Well, I was going to say, if
4: you go to Romans, it gives you a great mm-hmm. illustration. Romans 2, I think, right? 4? Uh, they talk about it a lot. in um, Quite a two, bit. Four. But he says, um, it's talking about Abram. He received the sign of circumcision. This is, yeah, chapter 4, verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the, circumc- of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abram had before he was circumcised. So circumcision was just a... Um, I guess, yeah, they, yeah, basically the, the, the outward sign the covenant was... Yeah. He was going to obey
1: the covenant. So they believed in God, believed in his goodness, believed in his promises, mm-hmm. and this God who is worthy of our... our like giving of our obedience, if you will, he says, do this. Right. And it's in response to believing in God. Is, uh, it's, it's,
0: I mean, in a similar way... Well, all, all the covenants that are from God involve blood, right? yeah. and, G, right. Which is a foreshadowing of the cross. Okay. But even in marriage... Technically, in marriage, go, um, when a woman gets married and she's a virgin, there is blood mm-hmm. on the wedding night. So it's the way that covenant is sealed is in that blood as well. So it's a way blood is always involved in sealing a covenant. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: I've got to go back to John, though, because why this? Yeah. Like, Why not clip a piece of your ear off? You know what I mean? Or something I like that. shave your head like right you see so I I understand all the symbolism stuff um, but you could even carry over in the same way that your tip of your ear was clipped off Mm -hmm. clip off the hardness of your heart you know I mean you could Mm -hmm. cover that so there's something more there
0: well it's not quite how come right it's, it, that's what I mean. Like so, on the wedding night, it's that cov- it's a covenant situation. I
2: don't know, but, but I mean that's I, true. But yeah, I don't but see but the connection. You're
0: wondering like why that exactly? I don't. know. Well, yeah, because there was other cultures that put that on the list. Yeah, of the you,
4: they,
1: they weren't the first people to, to circumcise put. people. Right?
2: <laughs> Sensitive.
4: Yeah. The most secret. Spot. Can I also say you know it's the loins of Abraham too, Abraham? There you go. <laughs> the, it's his loins, so it's. it's, it's I don't know what that means. <laughs> 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 when you're talking about giving all, right? I mean, I'm not. Don't, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that's giving all. But I'm What gonna I'm gonna saying is if you're gonna all all that you're going to clip something. Situation. I mean, where, I'm, I know it sounds funny, but it's serious. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. where? Okay, so uh, to, how is Abram going to make kid? Make it? Make a kid? Exactly. Okay. So he's you know, there's a symbolism there You're that saying he's if he's circ- if he's not circumcised he can't make a baby. No 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 I'm saying <laughs> this. I'm saying this whole thing about sensitivity. It's just a like like major
1: like part of the promise. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, a major the life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All yeah.
2: Somebody probably has studied this. Yeah,
1: that's um. kind of like you know it's like why
4: that to me.
1: Okay.
2: Thank you.
4: I don't
1: really know, the, yeah.
4: <laughs> it's weird, though, because there's other, places, there's other places in here where if you, if you don't understand what he's saying, you like, okay, I don't understand why he did this. Like, when they, went to, they sent somebody to get somebody a, a wife, mm-hmm. and he said, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me you won't get him a wife among the pagans. Mm-hmm. Well, what is he swearing by? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not his leg.
3: Right. Right. <laughs> okay. And that was a well. That was a cultural thing, though, right? It was yeah.
4: Yeah. Because you were saying, wait, well, basically you're saying that's you're swearing by my manhood that you're not going to go do right. this, right? That's sort of okay. <laughs> it's a macho thing. <laughs> <laughs> <I guess. laughs>
2: your hand there? No, you don't want to know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. that like pull my finger? Uh, uh, <laughs> something. <All right>. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so God did this. God commanded this, um, and it is similar, I think, to baptism in the sense it doesn't save us, but it's a sign of our um, what our belief. is a sign of respect. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you I know?
2: know? <laughs> I
4: might not act like a
1: man. But then, in
4: their culture, so in yeah, amongst the Jews, if you were circumcised, you were out.
1: Because the last line... Yeah, first, verse 14. Yeah, I was getting there. So any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Um, and that verse, if choice. you just read that, you'd be like, so you're, you're blessed by God if you have circumcision. If not, you're out. But if you really look at the covenant and what it is and, and the context of the scripture, it's really they don't believe in God. They, they are separating themselves from God Because of their faith, so therefore they're not being circumcised. So, it's not just because they're getting circum uncircum. They're just because they're uncircumcised doesn't make them be cut off. It's their faith that cuts them off. Mm -hmm. And then the same. It's the same way with baptism as well. If someone says, "Don't put me under the water because I'm not a Christian," like it's the same way. They're not not saved because of their baptism. Not getting dunked in water. It's because they don't believe in God. so we have to be careful with the concept. of it. So if you can avail yourself of baptism as a believer,
4: you should do it out of obedience. Right. W- what do you mean by it? Can you repeat that? So like the thief on the cross couldn't avail himself of baptism, but we still know he was with Christ Correct. in heaven that day. Yes. If you are able to go get baptized as a believer, you should do it out of obedience. Correct. But it's not going to save you or
1: not save you. Correct. Right. Or uns- it is not going to unsave you if you don't do it. Let's put it that way. Correct, but but it would be disobedience to disobey God if you have the opportunity.
3: Right. It would be you a do. hindrance.
1: It would be a hindrance. Yeah, it doesn't not save right. them. I know Christians that have not been baptized; they're not unsaved, but. Yeah. I hope they get baptized, but it's right. not going to It's not going to keep them out of heaven, and right. that we can rest in. Mm.
3: It's a relationship
1: problem, not Fair. a salvation mm-hmm. problem. Correct. Yeah, and so, and it's the same way. So are
3: you saying the intent of that is just as an outward
4: sign of your inner faith and trust? Yes, I would to. agree. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why you don't see. It's weird though, because here you see infant circumcision. Mm-hmm. They don't have any say in the matter, and okay. I assume if they did, it wouldn't be the positive. Yeah. But here in the you know in the New Testament we don't have mm-hmm. infant we have infant dedication but we don't have mm-hmm. baptism
1: but I, I would suggest in the same way if they're circumcised it doesn't save them either correct because the pagans around them were circumcised mm-hmm. some were circumcised as well so yeah it, and Paul points that
2: out in Romans yeah. 4 that the justification came before the circumcision and so on yeah which is what mm-hmm. somebody did in right. chapter two also talks about yeah.
4: the Jew is not one who is circumcised in the flesh only but is also circumcised in his heart mm-hmm. no. that's, that's Romans 2 yeah
2: Now I have a question in my Bible that I wrote based on that. How do we? How I can't. I don't have my glasses. How do we have? How do we have our hearts circumcised? Because we've talked a little bit about the. So how does that happen? I'd like to know. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think if we go back to Deuteronomy (laughs) thirty. Okay. All
2: right. Back to Deuteronomy
3: thirty. 30 and uh-huh. you just right I just hit the history button. <laughs> That's it's nice. <laughs> lined up I hit the
1: back button. All right. So in Deuteronomy thirty, I think the first five verses or so actually answer because these are the verses preceding the one that I just read about. God, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So, But in verse 1 through 5, um, it says, When all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore their fortunes and have mercy on you and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So I think if, if you, in verse 2, it says, return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. And that that is really, yeah, returning to the Lord, going away from the Lord, and then you're returning, you're repenting. Um, and, it, and if you think about the, the analogy, <laughs> you're cutting off the flesh, and in the same way when we repent to God, God will forgive us and cut off that flesh that's hindering us from the from God's spirit from the fullness of God's presence in our life so God does it (laughs) that's the short answer Jesus (laughs) circumcise Jesus (laughs) yeah and um yeah so I think it has to be God but it has to be us returning to God but God keeps pursuing us God keeps poking Mm -hmm. us if you will um to bring us back to himself because he pursues men. He, he loves to save people. He longs to save people and more mm-hmm. people. Um, but, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> how much time we have? A um, couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. So That's like, a good stopping point. Yeah. yeah I was going to yeah. start keep going, but we probably wouldn't do it nah, justice. No, so. <laughs> no justice. <at> all. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's important for us to... Um, just learn from Abraham how, even though he was in this dry season, this trial, this time of possibly doubting, that God continues to pursue us. God will come back and God will repeat his promises to us. And he'll encourage us, he'll strengthen us in all these things. And, and, I, and I think the, the, the symbolism of circumcision, of this repentance, of this belief in God and cutting off everything. In Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2, it talks about laying every weight every sin aside so that we might run the race with endurance. And, and I think if we say, God, circumcise my heart, take the flesh that's within me. Take the flesh that's covering up the heart. Um, what The things that are hindering us from our walk with God, uh, the Lord's faithful to forgive and purify and sanctify and to cut those things off so that we might uh, be used by him and, and uh, give him glory. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'll pray. Dear mm-hmm. God... Uh, we're grateful for your patience with us, with your um, just mercy that you pursued Abraham his whole life, even despite sin, even despite uh, trials or desert times, if you will, um, Lord, that you pursue him and that you pursue us, Lord. And I thank you for your promises of your word, Lord, of salvation. We don't have to earn it, we don't have to be good, but you welcome us in our sin to come to you for purification. And, Lord, uh, I pray that you would um, just continue to purify us individually, Lord, that we might become more like you, that we might become more obedient, that we might um, just serve you with an undivided heart. And, uh, God, we need you to do that. We can't um, do that on our own. We can't be good enough for you, Lord. Uh, We need you to just completely change our hearts daily, Father. And uh, we love you, and we uh, thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.